How's it going, connectors? Welcome to another fresh episode of Staying Connected, where we see stories that connect us with one another. There's too much emphasis on differences that we forget that we are just one big community. We seek to learn about life lessons, experiences, setbacks, and vulnerabilities of one another. We're here to share through open and honest conversations. How's it going, guys? I am Kenny. And I'm Scott. So today we have a special guest that will be joining us. Um, you want to introduce welcome. yourself or shall we? You guys do Okay. Uh, she is my partner, Kelly. Um, so let's give a little intro about Kelly. Um, grew up here in Hawaii all her life. Um, she's been in and out of the islands due to school and um, of course medical school. Uh, which she wow. finishing up her last year, the last couple of months, and then she'll go into residency. Other than that, we wanted to, uh, or especially me, we wanted mm-hmm. to get Kelly on the podcast to one, not only practice our interviewing skills with guests, um, but also, you know, uh, learn more about her, you know, see what we can uncover and basically, um, yeah, have, have fun. So it's uh, our goal, as you know, is to have at least one guest uh, each month for the year of 2021. And Kelly is our guest for January. Yes, the very first guest of the new year. So very special episode. And yeah, thank you guys for tuning in. We're excited to learn more about Kelly and you know, just talk story. Yeah, so uh, the, first ep- the first question, and we're gonna, we're gonna move back and forth um, throughout things, but um, I think the first question I want to know from Kelly, and we briefly talked about it before, is um, when she first got, um, she found out the news that she didn't make it into medical school the first time. I just wanted to see, you know, what were you thinking through there? How did it feel? So go ahead and walk us through that. Nice to meet everyone online. Uh, the connectors. The connectors. Yes. Uh, I think I'll start by saying that I didn't have a traditional path to med school. So when we say traditional, we say, you know, you go to college and then you go straight through to med school when you're, you know, 22, 23. Um, but I didn't do that. I took a couple of years off. I came home in between. Um, and so I didn't apply until a couple of years afterwards. Uh, but it was really the first time I would say that uh, things didn't go quite as smoothly for me. I think, you know, you do well in school, you get into college, you, you know, pass your classes. And so med school was just kind of the next thing that I applied to and was hoping to get into. Um, I submitted a bunch of applications that year. I think I did two interviews um, and got waitlisted at both of those schools. Um, and they say the wait list, you know, it can move all the way up until the first day of school. So even if you don't get in and say March, April, May, June, you know, school doesn't start till August. So there's a glimmer of hope until August. Um, but then when that acceptance didn't come in August, then I knew that uh, it meant I was going to have to try again in a future year. Um, I think it was it was a stretch thinking that I could get in and like the day before school or, you know, the week before it started. Uh, but there was a little hope there. And when that didn't happen, I had to really think through whether I wanted to do this whole cycle again, whether I wanted to put all those apps out again. Uh, it helped that my test scores. So when you take the MCAT 
to apply. It helped that my test scores were still good for another year. So I wasn't gonna have to retake the MCAT, but I was trying to think about other activities I could do that would maybe strengthen my application. Um, think Sorry about, to interject, but what, what kind of things did you do to strengthen your um, portfolio or your resume or your C? Yeah, or, like, or if you can give insight on like what people do normally to strengthen their I think to show that you're interested in medical school, a lot of people do some shadowing with doctors. They try to do some research outside. So I had already been doing research with, um, with a surgeon out at Polymomi. So I had a little research under my belt, not a lot, but a little bit. Um, I was trying to look into other ways that I could kind of get, get into the clinic, get some experience there. Uh, work with some doctors. I picked up scribing in that in-between time, which is a big way that a lot of people make their way into med school. Um, but just things that kind of pad up your resume to kind of show that, you know, even after college and taking all these classes, I was still doing things medically related, showing that I was interested in medicine um, to hopefully show those admissions offices that I was serious. Right. You, didn't, you didn't do like you don't want like a, a blank on your resume. Like, hey, they look at your um, CV and you're like, hey, what did you do between this time and this right, time? Right, right. And so- They always question that, yeah. Yeah, another challenge is that, you know, the more time you take off, the more you kind of have to prove that that is what you're interested in and you didn't, you know, a lot of people have side career, you know, they had a whole career before they decided to go into medicine. Um, but you know, each year there's more time where it's right. like, what did you do? What what important thing were you doing that was related to medicine? Mm -hmm. So that was where the research and the scribing. Do they let you know? Um, let's say let's say after you do an interview and then you don't get in, do they let you know? Okay, you didn't get in, but these are the things that you should work on. Do, do, is that something normal in a medical? Uh, I think a lot of schools claim that you're allowed to contact them and ask them what was wrong with your application. Oh, that's good. I mean, um, we all they need that. Reached out to some and they, you know, didn't reply. Right. I think one one school might have told me something really, really vague. Um, but, oh, I forgot to mention, I also ended up reaching out to a lot of mentors here in Hawaii just to be, just to kind of show them what my app looked like, see if they had any suggestions, you know, see if they had any connections, really, um, things that they thought I might be able to do that could strengthen my application, too. So well, I'm very curious, um, I mean, let's travel back in time when you're younger, um, growing up, um, what inspired you to go into medicine? Mm. Yeah, it's like, you know, for us Asians, you know, we have that pressure to go into you know, medicine, law, anything. Yeah. Um, did you have that pressure or was it kind of like just your individual um, motivation to go into it? I didn't, I didn't grow up with that pressure. I think my parents were really open and they wanted us to try everything out. There was never a um, never that push that, you know, all of us should become doctors or all of us should become lawyers. Um, but I know where you're coming from with that because that's definitely, that's definitely out there. Um, they never pushed me into that initially. I just, I really liked math and science in high school. And I kind of carried that through when I went to college. Um, the reason I picked medicine was actually because I started as a chemistry major. Um, I really liked chemistry. I started doing what we call bench research, which is kind of like wet lab things 
in chemistry. So, you know, standing in the lab, reactions, test tubes, things like that. Um, and so after I did some bench research, it was, it was okay. I didn't love the bench research. It was fun to do, but I couldn't, it didn't have that, you know, people connection part of it. It was just kind of you by yourself in the lab. Um, so I did a clinical research project because I figured, hey, research, but maybe with people that could be more, more exciting. And I actually did that here as a summer program. And so that's really what introduced me more to medicine. And, you know, other than being a patient, that was a time when I could see, you know, what these doctors were doing or these administrators were doing and kind of like get into that whole world. And that's sort of when I changed my career path and decided that medicine was something I was interested in. Yeah, because there's, there's a lot of um, uh, paths you can take as a doctor. You can definitely work by yourself um, and then you can work with other people. And I think I asked you about that um, you know, throughout our relationship. Like, why not just be um, the, the guy that gives uh, um, the numbs the pain? Anesthesia. Anesthesia, yeah. Or like- Puts you to sleep. Yeah. Something like some or something real simple where you can just do your thing and then get in and get out. But I think for her, um, which has definitely influenced me as well, is her uh, pursuit of building relationships with people, long-lasting relationships. Yeah. Yep. Now that's definitely rubbed up on me because uh, before, you know, it was hard for me to make friends and relationships with people. Um, I think it's because of uh, being with her, it's allowed me to uh, open up more. It's allowed me to take more risks, more chances. Because even though, you know, even though you, you make an introduction with someone and then they're just brushing you off and that's fine. You know, we go to the next person and that's also kind of plays into how I met Kenny and we, I just opened up like, oh, Kenny's a great dude. And then now here we are. Yeah. With this podcast, podcast so uh, it's definitely because of um, Kelly's influence that I was able to, you know, open up and reach out more to people and build those relationships, which is more key than ever with this pandemic. You know, as people are getting lonelier and lonelier, sure. communication is key and important in order for us to kind of grow. And yeah, it's it's a pretty interesting um, story that you kind of share with us because. You know, there's a lot of people trying to figure out exactly what they want to do in life. And um, especially now, it's been pretty difficult, like even getting a job. So um, for you to kind of share your story about not getting into medical school at first, it's like, you know, you just got to keep trying. And yeah, it's definitely inspiring to hear. Yeah. So you were still working. Um, as you're preparing for your second, um, yeah, second time with medical school, mm -hmm. uh, you don't have to say the name, but she did work in. Um, you want to explain what you did? Oh, I did a lot of things in between. Um, I don't know. Do you just mean between the first and second time? Yeah, between the first and second time, because you need. To... I think I picked up. I picked up my scribing job in that in between time. I kind of like followed a doctor around. He's a hospitalist, so he sees all the patients in the hospital. Um, so I kind of like helped write notes for him. So I got to kind of see what his day was like, see what it was like, you know, rounding on patients is what we call when you go door to door to visit all your patients. Um, so that was kind of an interesting way to get 
uh, introduced to life in the hospital and what a doctor there would do. Um, I think I did some volunteering at a clinic. Um, I think those are the only two things I picked up in my in-between. And I continued what I was doing previously um, outside. Yeah, as, as for scribing, um, I think of scribing as like uh, being like a waiter or a waitress, mm -hmm. a wait, wait person. Basically, you do a lot of um, you do a lot of crap for the. You're just a note taker. Yeah, it's a glorified yeah. note taker. <laughs> yeah, but you don't get you don't get any of the tips, you know, or any of that. Yeah. But the the patient is there for the doctor, not oh, really yes. for you. Yes, that's true. So. <laughs> Just like a fly on the wall. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're like a fly on the wall. <laughs> the job it is to write down what's happening in the room. Yes. But you're not mm -hmm. the central person exactly. at all. No. Mm -hmm. So, have you considered um, what would happen if you didn't get in a second time? I I thought about it. Um, I think the trickiest part about not getting in a second time was that I was going to have to retake the MCAT. And I actually snuck in back when we, the MCAT, the previous version. So my version of the MCAT was probably three, four hours. And then when they switched it, now I think it's like eight hours. Mm. And so that was gonna be, that was gonna be a big reason of whether or not I was sticking, sticking on this path or not. Um, so would you, would you continue to be in uh, healthcare, even if you didn't get in? something else? I, I'm not sure. Uh, I, the, the MCAT is a lot of, um, I guess, like college sciences. So biology, chemistry, physics, biochem. Um, I, I probably could have, um, if I had to, I would have had to take a year off probably to study for the MCAT alone, just to kind of like handle this eight hour test and figure that mm -hmm. out. Um, and I don't think I could have taken it in time to like apply the next year. Right. So it would have meant taking a whole nother year off, studying for the MCAT, but also, you know, needing to find other things for my resume because you, you don't know where the holes are, right? Maybe you didn't do enough research. Maybe you didn't do enough clinical things. Mm -hmm. Maybe, maybe you just had bad people who were tired who saw your app and this time around <clears throat> they're like, wow, that's a great candidate. We should let them in. Um, so I, I think it would have been, it would have taken a lot more soul searching and resolve to continue on the path, at least to medical school. Um, you're right though, there's other, you know, professions, schoolings, medical related, um, not necessarily an MDA, but you know, other titles, I guess. With be similar. A deal. Yeah. Be a deal. So I, I think it would have, I think I would have had to talk to a lot more, um, a lot more people to kind of figure out what the other options were if I decided that this wasn't the path that I wanted. Um, because I guess it was also kind of the only path I knew. So I would also have to talk to people to kind of figure out what what the other paths were and where those would lead. Um, um, I think me and Kenny, we talked a lot about failing uh, <laughs> with our luck. And uh, we, we spun it as like a favorite failure. and. You know, when I hear, I have friends that have, um, haven't made it into medical school yet, and they, whenever they fail the first time, uh, there's always that question of like, you know, am I good enough? To go, yeah. And then for some of my friends, I've seen it break them. You know, I've seen them um, 
seen their confidence shake. I've seen, you know, people who were so um, focused on their mission, on their goal, just all of a sudden just float around, basically uh, lose meaning in their life. So I, I can definitely see how adversity can either, you know, allow you to rediscover a new path or uh, refocus and re-engage you back on that same path and just come back stronger. For sure. And, you know, we all have our support system to kind of push us even more to the fullest. So um, definitely, like, you know, it's, it's easy to give up. That's the thing. But, you know, you just got to tell yourself to keep on trying and trying, trying, trying. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So uh, on the topic of struggling, um, as we all know, and we've talked about it, it's 2021, even though the vaccine has still been um, distributing. Slowly. Yeah. It's here. It's I'm not sure how <laughs> efficient we are at it, but uh, since we do have a medical student here, we can mm -hmm. bombard her. But, uh, <laughs> I want to know everything about it. What, what's in it? <laughs> so I guess my first question, and we can go back and forth, Kenny, on this, is, um, you know, let, let's start with a simple one. And I think you shared a post with me about this um, on Instagram. It's okay. How do vaccines work? Right? How does this vaccine work? How does this vaccine yes. work? Yes, compared to like the flu shot. Because there, there is a lot of misinformation out there. There's a lot of misinformation. Um, and I guess this is more of a technical process. Um, I guess the easiest way to explain it would to, would to say like in the past, we would kind of be giving a little bit of the virus to you to kind of get your body to ramp up. So you give like a little bit, let's say we give a little bit of coronavirus, right, to your body. Your body goes, oh no, I don't know what this is, and tries to build up the defense, right? But that's risky because we're exposing you to the virus. We're giving you, you know, part of it just to figure that out. So this, this vaccine is different because it uses um, like a DNA code sequence. So there's this, you know, a mRNA. code. Yeah, so the mRNA, that's the code. Uh -huh. So there's a code that tells your, tells your body to make a certain protein. And that protein is something that's found on the coronavirus. So we're not giving you the virus, but we're saying, hey, look, there's a special part on this thing, um, this special protein that's specific to the coronavirus. So your body learns to recognize that protein and to build up a defense towards that protein. But we're never exposing you to the actual virus. We're just teaching your body that there's a certain part of it that we should look out for. So that's kind okay, of what so, the is yeah. So if I was to take the shot like today and I mm -hmm. was to take a test tomorrow, like a COVID test, it wouldn't kind of it wouldn't be positive. So we're not giving Yeah, it wouldn't be positive. Mm -hmm. Okay. No, no, no. Okay, so so like you just want to... It's just like we're, we're kind of teaching your body to look out for this certain thing so that if you were to get exposed, your body would say, hey, look, that's the protein that we learned to look for. Now we know how to fight it. Here's, you know, the spheres we have to fight it. So you know how to fight it. Mm, it's kind of like, oh, something foreign. But wait, we have something. Right. But we know what it, it's the green, you know, the green bubble. We know what the green bubble is. Um, so the, but then the, the side effects of I have seen people get side effects of mm -hmm. like getting yeah. headaches, getting a little cold, that's all normal. 
it's kind of like your body, your body's way of ramping up to fight something, right? So when you get sick and your body's trying to fight it, that's when you get, you know, that's when you get your headaches, your mm -hmm. stomach aches, um, kind of just like not feeling great. That's your body being, your body ramping up to fight it. So I call it allergies, say if I'm like allergic to something. Right, right, right. That's your body trying to fight it. So people getting right, we're still exposing, we're teaching your body how to fight something. So that's why everyone's, not everyone, but a majority, some people are getting these reactions because we're introducing something foreign and we're telling your immune system, it needs to start learning how to fight this. So that's your body figuring mm. out how to wrap its way up. I'm not sure um, how much you know about this. What in the future, would it be, because I have allergies, mm. of course, and you have um peanut allergy. Mm -hmm. Is there a way to put that um, mRNA in our body to be like, hey, it's a, it's a peanut. <laughs> Don't create that protein that kills me. You know, just let it, just let it come through. Or like if it's uh, dust, right? Yeah. You know, if it's dust, you don't need to react to that. It's fine. I haven't. Is, is, it, is it possible? I haven't read like anything on that. I think the problem is your body is already like ready to fight it, right? That's our problem with allergies. It's uh -huh. something that's harmless, you know, like my body sees a peanut and it says, no, we don't want the peanut, fight the peanut. Mm. So you need a way to kind of ramp your body down. So I don't think it would be a vaccine type of thing. I know they have, you know, desensitization more mm -hmm. to kind of teach your body like, no, no, this is a normal thing. You know, we, we want the peanut to be okay. We don't need you to fight the peanut, but I think it would be, it would be a different mechanism, mm. right? Because this one is, hey, let's fight this thing, right? not let's calm down and ignore. And um, we watched um, a documentary on that, and one of the ways they were combating peanuts is to give the patient a smaller dosage of the peanut every day. Yeah. So let, let's say, um, let's say oh. 10 milligrams, is that <laughs> The tiniest okay, I've, seen let, them, I've seen them do it with babies yeah. when it's like an egg. We call it an egg uh -huh. challenge. So a baby, let's say the baby was originally allergic to eggs, but the parents, you know, now yeah. they're maybe six months, a year, and the parents want to see, are they still allergic? Or maybe they grew out of it. Maybe eggs are okay now. So the parents will bring in like one scrambled egg and they're for the baby to try. So the first time we go in, we give the baby like this much egg. And we come back in 15 minutes and we say, oh, baby's still okay. Okay, let's give a little bit more. Mm. And that's how the challenge works. <clears throat> so you give like- So you can outgrow your allergy? Sorry? Is that possible? Can you outgrow your allergies? I can outgrow like them. I have not, but you can outgrow your allergies. It wow. takes, uh, it takes what, a lot of discipline and daily, is it daily? No, no, but that's, that's just if you push yourself out of it. Some people like will have had an allergy and they grow out of it just on their own, mm -hmm. not even through the trials. We might need to uh, look into that. That's interesting. Yeah. If you can, if you can give yourself small dosage and teach your body, that's okay. Right. That little bit is okay, and then over time, let's increase it over time, and then your body, you know what? I can take it a little more, a little more, a little more, a little more, and then it eventually builds up, like compounding interest. And usually you have to keep doing it though, right? Yeah. So if you try to teach try to teach yourself, you know, to tolerate peanuts, you're gonna have to do peanuts like three times a week forever or mm -hmm. you know, four times a week. Mm. It's very interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. You know, like 
I, I think about it all the time how the body is just so incredible how for a lot of things let's say like we're in, we're in water right a lot of things like water will dissolve it and destroy it or whatnot but for us we're okay we're quite resistant to those kind of things not like a cut happens it gets repaired but for something else the body would literally destroy itself trying to kill that thing that was a basic um, minor thing and mm -hmm. basically kill you so in a way, the body is so smart and resilient, but it's so stupid because it attacks itself. <laughs> uh, we definitely. It's auto uh, oh yeah, it's yeah. auto. I do have something uh, within you is problematic for yourself. <laughs> oh, for sure. Like, don't want to diverge from the topic, but yeah. You know, a lot so of people, going back to yeah, going back. Yeah, no, no. I, a quick. Is this a quick note? If I'm like, you know how sometimes like the number one question, actually for me when I go to interviews, is like. Oh, you know, what kind of superpower you want to have? You know? And for me, I just want to be able to control my body. I, I don't want allergies. <laughs> I don't want like, I don't want skin <laughs> issues. Perfect. So a lot of times, most of my problems is because my body attacks me. Autoimmune attacks. You know, if we can just control <laughs> our body. All healing. Huh? All healing. No, I just want to tell my body, hey, that dust is okay. You don't need to react to that. Or like that mosquito bite doesn't it's not itchy at all it's let it heal if that was possible <laughs> i like my eyebrow hair like there's no need to grow eyebrow hair you thought i'm not anything like it's, it's the little thing oh grow muscle just in this one yeah yeah area. like muscle like muscle growing like <laughs> like the like just sorry just diverging even more down like the muscle doesn't care you know, if you're doing like, let's say you're doing a curl, the muscle doesn't care that your arm is making that motion. It only cares that it's getting extended and it's getting flexed. That's it. So <laughs> if we can control our body in that kind of way, you don't even need to lift weights. All you need to do is stretch the muscle enough and then contract the muscle enough and it'll think, that, okay, I'm working out. You know, or just um, move the heart alive if you're doing cardiovascular control that and you don't need to run anymore and you have all that cardio because the brain <laughs> thinks, oh we're, we're doing a, a long distance run just do nothing sitting in bed your heart rate going to 130 oh, I'm working out in my bed <laughs> oh boy oh, okay so back back to the vaccine back to yeah or even so, times um, has anything changed yeah. for you pandemics mm -hmm. yeah um when the pandemic first hit they pulled us out of our clinical duties just because there was a lot of unknowns they didn't know if we, they wanted students in the hospitals students in the clinic you know we were trying to minimize exposure generally so we all got pulled out um i actually ended up coming home which was really nice um i was home for an unexpected you know, three, three months. Yeah, long time. Um, yeah. And then I went back when they called us back and said, you know, it's safe now, we're ready. We have um, protective equipment. We have masks for everyone. Um, we also all got goggles, so. It was crazy when they ran out of that whole. Right, right, right. Um, so I think in, that's how it changed initially. Since then, and, you know, masks have kind of just become the norm. Everyone, you know, as soon as you walk into the hospital, everyone's in a mask. They're giving them out when you walk in. 
Um, there's a lot of telehealth that's been happening. So I was doing a lot of clinic rotations uh, in the fall. And so a lot of those ended up being half telehealth because you know, patients didn't feel comfortable coming in. It turns out it's a lot easier for patients when you let them, you know, just call in on their phones or mm -hmm. on their computers. Um, so that, that was a change for healthcare that I'm hoping sticks around because I think a lot of patients really like that. You know, you don't need to drive to the office, find parking, wait in the waiting room, check in, go to the room, you know, for some things that are, hey, how's your, how's your blood pressure been? You know, you can tell me that over the phone. You don't need to mm -hmm wait two hours to tell me what the numbers look like and whether the medicine is good. It saves the doctor time to, to focus on yeah. their, um, I would say, you know, quote-unquote, important cases, right? Yeah. Um, so I'm hoping that stays with telehealth. Um, mm -hmm. But I guess for me, it was also just, oh, and I guess being my fourth year, there were a lot of um, residency program interviews this year. So normally for residency programs to interview, Med school, med school students are flying all over the country. You know, so you have an interview in California, oh, gotta get on a plane, get a hotel, fly to California, go to the interview, and then like, I guess go back to DC if that's your home base. And then next week, oh no, I have one in New York. That means, you know, get on a plane, go to New York, same thing, hotel, school, come back. So this year, everything was virtual, uh, which means, you know, you on usually Zoom or something on your computer, you know, looking professional in your mm -hmm. little box. Underwear. Not as she was describing to me about like all this traveling you have to do normally. Um, it got me think about, you know, how, how I think it occurred to me that medical students spend so much money just applying to all these programs because they're not cheap or they're not free. I think they tell students expect to pay like $10,000. With, with that includes flight and hotel. That's, that's just only for interview season. We're talking, you know, November, December, yes. January of your fourth year, just so you can fly everywhere, get a hotel. And hopefully, you know, hopefully you have a friend, you can like crash on a couch or something, not pay for everything. Relation, that's why relationships are so important. Yeah. Right? There was a Hawaii girl who slept on my, um, slept on my couch. She had an interview out in DC, and I was like, "Yeah, you can come stay at my place. That's fine." It ain't cheap to travel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, so that was virtual. But um, no, you you talked about it for a bit. The basic one of the cons of not being able to go there directly. It's just the same thing as relationships. Is have that face-to-face um, -face talk. Yeah. Because over Zoom, yeah, everything sounds amazing. You know, it's kind of like a first date. No, right? It's kind of like a first date. Yeah. Both sides will prevent, um, present the, the, the best versions of themselves. Yeah. And sometimes, yeah, that's great, but you know, tell me more about that, uh, that program. What else do you guys do? Maybe you want to see them in, a, in like a clinical setting where they're actually doing something. Well, if, they, if there's a difficult patient, okay, how, how do they uh, resolve this? How does the top person um, show their leadership? How do they communicate? And you want to you wanna see all that. No, how, how long are, the, are these uh, Zoom sessions? Oh, I've done some that are three hours, four hours, five hours. Um, but it's usually like one main, maybe like an hour, you know, like a okay. PowerPoint of here's our program, here's what we're like, here's what we have. And then a lot of them end up being, you know, 20 to 40 minute one-on-one -on -one interviews. 
so that's just you know you you know us and Kenny right now that's our you know two on one yes we both look great we both sound great we know what we want to say and then you go to your next room so it's it's hard to gauge group setting you know like Kenny might be fine now and then once we throw him in a room he could be a different person different person so yeah <laughs> You definitely want to see them at the end of the day when they're tired. You know, you, you get to see like the real them. Yeah. How, how are they when they're tired? Because I think if I was um, a person going to a residency program, I'm going to be with this person for long yeah. times of the day. <laughs> is this person a pleasant person or this person going to real cranky? You're going to start pointing fingers, blaming people when they start getting, you know, they don't get their way or they, they get a little tired so that, that's very important because you're with that person for three to four years yeah. and i have to say programs have gotten more creative because they knew uh -huh. this was virtual and they knew we'd be missing out on kind of seeing those kind of interactions so the interview day is all that's required but a lot of them started having like quote happy hour sessions the night before which, you know, no one was really drinking in these happy hour sessions because we all still had to look professional. Yeah. But, <laughs> but I would say, you know, they tried to have a more casual, a lot of them are resident only. So there's no faculty, there's no staff. Everything is kind of like off the record, ask us anything. Funny, um, um, well, sorry to interject, but like funny story. So I'm watching this um, medical drama. Um, I don't know if you're, whoever's watching right now, but um, The Good Doctor. Oh, The Good Doctor. So, oh. uh, I guess <laughs> they're in their latest season and it's focused on um, new residencies and also COVID as well. And the fact that you brought up the whole happy hour um, situation, you know, there's, there was an episode where a lot of the higher ups wanted to learn more about the new residencies. So, you know, they all got together and they got, they drank together. And you know, it was just kind of like a loose conversation, informal type of thing. So just to get to know, um, yeah, the possible. Yep. And that, that's where you build relationships is that, you know, the, like those off hours when you're like not actually working when you can just be a, a human being to one yeah. another. Yeah. And that, that was just another point I was thinking of because you know, when's, when's the best time to really build a connection with someone? when you're eating lunch, right? Or you're partaking in something fun. We, we slightly touch upon it in the last episode, you know about dopamine, right? Yeah. Uh, so it was about habits, right? Anytime you do something, it feels good, you're more likely gonna do it, right? Yeah. So when someone, when let's say I'm an attending doctor and you're a residency, I'm hungry, right? And whenever I'm eating right. and you're talking to me, I associate um, that feeling of happiness and dopamine with you because right. then you're right there and, and it's true like I'm not pulling this out of my uh, my pocket or anything but it's those you no know, even back to her and I'm going down that rabbit hole again but I do have a point you know all the way back then our ancestors they gather around a fire and they yeah. ate with each other and they became a tribe you know I share food with you you share food with me we talk communicate it whatever and it's, it's no different for now. You need to have that human interaction. You need to share food. And it's basically an area for you to know who the other person is. Like, what else do you do besides coming here? What are your hobbies, your family? Yeah. Yep. Right? 
That's why a lot of blind dates, you know, they aren't they're not going to dinner together. <laughs> First dates. <laughs> yeah. Oh. And for Kenny too, it's like once we got past all that, oh, what do you do? Okay, cool. How long you work yeah. there? Oh, awesome. We just got into That's like it. the, it was all gravy after. Like, oh, what do you do Very for fun? much. Oh, okay. You like to eat? Okay, where? And then just locked it in. Okay. Cool. Well, instead of, I think, I think I didn't have a business card then. And thank God Kenny had his. <laughs> I, I reached out to him and hey, let's, let's go eat. You wouldn't just ask for his number? Uh, no, it's weird. <laughs> What's your okay. Instagram? What's your Instagram? <laughs> That's the thing. That's the business. Yeah, part you can follow my blog Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's no, the but then yeah, part. it was it was after um, we hung out and we ate that you know our friendship started to uh, flourish. Yeah. So. Who brings people together? Yeah. Back in the day. Back in the day. So. All right. Um, Any other I just have a, questions? Oh, sorry, Karen. I have a quick question. So. I guess for any like medical student in Hawaii trying to look for what residencies in other places, other states you could say, do they end up coming back to Hawaii to work or do you feel like a lot of them just stay up in the mainland? Because I know Hawaii, I mean, you know, it's kind of high in demand for doctors. So that was just kind of a thought that I was going to. I think, I think it depends. Um, I think the hope is that, you know, Hawaii people want their people to come back, mm -hmm. right? We want everyone yeah. to come home. We want everyone to come back to the mm -hmm. islands and like practice here. Um, but I think statistically, a lot of people end up practicing here where they do residency, right? Because that's, that's sort of what you know, that's what you've known for mm -hmm. three years, three plus years, four or five years. Um, your most people are probably, you know, I think average age in my med school class when we started was like 25, which means everyone's going to be, you know, 29, 28, late 20s coming out, um, which means by the time you finish residency, you'll be early 30s. So, you know, young enough that you could pick a new town, pick a new city, pick a new somewhere, you could kind of spend a few years there. Um, Maybe you're not ready to like settle down somewhere. Maybe you're ready to try another city. I think it depends how adventurous you want to be. Um, but you're right for Hawaii. I mean, we have a big need for doctors, especially primary care doctors, right? Mm -hmm. We want all of, we yeah. want all of these people to come home. <laughs> we want all of them to come and you know take care of the population here. Um, but I, I think it depends. I mean, maybe some people will do a couple of years on the mainland or stay up for a few more years and then. I mean, Hawaii, I think we all come home eventually. Yes. Um, I don't know if that's the same for other states, you know? Yeah, I feel like yeah. in other states, you feel a little bit more free to kind of move wherever in the country. Mm -hmm. I think Hawaii is pretty special because everyone, you always feel that tie, that pull to come home. For sure. I always hear, you know, that, that, um, that phrase about them trying to keep, um, Hawaii people in Hawaii, mm -hmm. but they don't do anything to reinforce that. It's like, we want, yeah, we want uh, Hawaii doctors to come back to Hawaii. Well, are you compensating them properly? Mm -hmm. Are you creating incentives for them to come back? You know, are you creating the right environment? Because keep in mind that these, um, these doctors, they've been in the mainland, they've experienced, you know, because Hawaii is, uh, they're quite known for, you know, their 
bureaucracy, and you, if you have thoughts on that, we can discuss it later. Um, Different episode. <laughs> but it's, it's the change here is just so slow. The technology here is so old, um, and it's it's. I don't want to say anything controversial, but I'll leave it at that. Uh, on the mainland, it's just different. Everything is very innovative. Mm-hmm. Everything's fast moving. Um, there's more leadership opportunity. There's more um, racial injustice programs mm-hmm. that are being um, um, started. And I, even as a person that's not in the medical field, um, I don't see that. Even when I talk to my friends and they're in their programs, it's, it's just basic normal stuff and you're expecting these uh, doctors to come back and not have everything they have at the ma- at, yeah. on the mainland. Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, it's a company telling you, hey, Kenny, uh, come, come. Let's, let's say you're in California. Come back, come back to Hawaii, but we'll pay you less. You know, your words don't mean as much here, you know, and you'll probably have a lesser role. Yeah, just come back. Oh, we, we need more people, media to come back to uh, Hawaii. You're from, right? Would that make sense? Um, I don't know who's gonna do it, but you know, there, there needs to be a change. You want doctors to come back. Yeah, pay people, give them some influence, you know, and put the right uh, environment and people around them, you know, because at the end of the day, you want to make it meaningful for people. I will say a big question that they ask on the residency trail, as we call it, um, is like, who is your target? Like, who's your patient population? Who do you want to take care of? Yeah. So I guess the goal is for Hawaii people, you know, like, I know I want to come back and practice here. So like, these are the people I want to take care of. But for other people, you know, that might mean they want more of, say, a Spanish-speaking population. They might want a LGBTQ population. They might want to do what we call concierge medicine, which is, you know, you pay your, you pay your fee and your doctor kind of is there for you 24-7. Any question you have, anything, you just text your doctor, they'll get back to you. But there's a Expander. lot of different populations out there that you could take care of. Um, but maybe for the, for the people who grew up here, you know, this might be the population you want. So even if, you know, you might be able to get a higher job on the mainland or you might be able to get better paid or something, you know, if your heart is drawing you back home, those are yeah. the people you take care of. Or if the LGBTQ population is calling you, you know, you're going to go somewhere where there's more of them um, than somewhere else. So. You know, I have a theory. You know, because a lot of uh, medical students, they do um, leave school with enormous amount of debt. Okay? And, and doing, um, taking that mainland job that pays more is very enticing, right? Especially if you have debt. What happens, and you can uh, entertain me, um, what happens when they leave school? No debt. Then Biden getting rid of all the debt? Well, we'll, we'll <laughs> see. But, but let's say, let, let's say there's a debt you know, and money does not matter. Now, do you think doctors are more inclined to do? You know what? Since I don't need the money, and I, I, then they're going to get paid a lot, right? And I'm not in debt. Because once those two things are um, satisfied, those two conditions, like once. Once the financial benchmark has been cleared, you're like, let's do something meaningful. Yeah. I want to change. I, want, I, I came into medicine trying to help people. No, but when you see that half a million dollar debt, you're like, I, I got I to focus on that. Yeah. The moment that's been cleared, okay, let me, let me, how can I help my community? 
because since you're not stressed about financials anymore, you can focus on other things. So what do you think about that? I don't know the specifics about it, but I think there used to be some kind of program where if you did 10 years of, I think it was more like either community medicine or some kind of nonprofit or something, they would, um, it, it would clear your debt. Hmm. So if you gave, and I think for some programs, your residency counted. So if you gave your residence oh. to this place and you committed, you know, five, seven years there, that would get rid of your debt. Mm. So I, I think there's programs out there, but again, you're talking how many med students are there across the whole US <laughs> and how many are you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt. You can't just erase You can't them. just do that right away, yeah. Maybe buy, I don't know, someone out there maybe. <laughs> maybe that can be a Hawaii thing. Hey, you signed with Queens in seven years, we wipe your debt. I mean, I that think makes me wonder if they have that. Yeah. That's definitely enticing, right? Mm -hmm. And I mm -hmm. think that was one of the thoughts behind, you know, that year that all the Jabson kids got their scholarships. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That was the reason too, right? If you can walk out of med school and say, you know what, I don't know anything. I got, I'm, I'm net zero. Mm -hmm. That's that's a big deal. You know, that opens a lot more doors um, compared to your your classmates who. You know, maybe that means they need to do something they didn't always want to do, but now that they have to pay back so much money, they're going to pick something a little more lucrative just to make sure that they can pay that off. Um, but yeah, you're going to have to change a whole mindset of, you know, yeah. the whole generation right now is expecting oh, to be hundreds of thousands yeah. in debt, which yeah. means, you know, that affects however many that years That number is only increasing. And, yeah. Yeah, pick up reading. Either. It's definitely tough. Yeah. Sponsor, we'll sponsor. We'll sponsor. We'll sponsor. That is a game changer. Imagine yeah. if all um, physicians that own their own clinic, yeah. or even the hospital, huge. Like, yeah, just it, everyone band together. You know what? Uh, Japs. Um, we can maybe sponsor a Japson student. That would be. Yeah. That would be very <laughs> that, cost effective no, that, in a mainland that's, school. That's life changing. I think that'd be life changing. It is. In state, we could an in-state tuition. Yeah. In, in, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I agree. Um. Well, I think. Do uh, you have anything else, Kenny? Because I'm going to go into our recommendations. Uh, oh, I'm good. I, you know, we talked about vaccines, and <laughs> COVID um, situation, yeah. medical school. Hi. <laughs> right, so we're gonna go to well, you our. Didn't ask me if I was gonna get it. Hmm? Um, I think that's uh, personal information, um, whether you get it or not, you know, stay safe, stay healthy, you know, stay connected. There, there is, yeah, stay connected. There, there's a lot of stigma for people getting it and not getting it, so I'd rather not go down that hole. Um, Can you cut that out? No, <laughs> it. No, the, the one, one of the things that I'm very proud of our podcast is like, we can say things and not have to edit it out. Because yes. we make we make mistakes, make flaws, and you know, if a podcast is too heavily edited, it doesn't yes. have that human effect on it. So I want when I stutter, I tell him just leave it. Leave it I want know. people. You I want to look to back on this. Stutter. Yeah, and result. I want people to hear me like mess up when I talk or like take a long time answering or even saying ohs and ahs. Mm -hmm. And then the, when I listen to it, okay, I need to improve on that. I need to be more articulate. Mm -hmm. I need to stop saying ahs and ahs, you know, every so often. So it's for me too, mm -hmm. more than anything. But let's go ahead and jump into our 
recommendation um, of the week. Remember, it could be a reflection, a quote, tip, a book, whatever. Um, ladies first. <laughs> guest first. Special guest. Yeah, so I guess in thinking about 2020 and even this recent holiday season that we're kind of coming out of, uh, I guess my reflection is just remembering remembering how important all those people are to me. I think 2020 really opened a lot of doors in that, you know, everything switched to Zoom. But that also meant, you know, I have a family Zoom now. I get to see my brother and sister and my parents on Sundays. And we probably could have done that this whole time. But because now we're all on Zoom, now we all know how to do it. You know, my parents can log on. We can all be on Zoom. And that's been really nice. Um, I have another I think it's a Google Hangouts with my college friends, one of my, my two best friends from college. Um, and we have like a Sunday hangout too. So I think it's been little things like that where you kind of realize that even though we're all far apart, it's actually that easy that we can all just click the same link and be in the same place. Um, and stay connected. We can all stay connected. I throw it out there. Thank you, thank throw you. Throw it out there. We can all stay connected in that way. Um, and I think that's been a nice thing that I want to keep you for this year you know so in addition I still call my parents sometimes but it's nice to see people's faces um my high school friends you know we did something for like Halloween this year which I, I haven't seen some of those people in years but it was so nice just kind of hopping on the zoom and seeing everyone's faces so I'm hoping you know as this pandemic hopefully rolls back down I think that's something that I want to keep and kind of stay connected with all these friends that I have um, you know, do Zooms with them, see them online. Um, I want to keep that in 2021. I agree. There's no, there's no reason not to um, maintain and build your relationships, regardless of where you are, because um, as um, separated as, you know, social media and um, the internet has made us, it has brought us closer than ever. Yeah. So there's, there's really no excuse. Say hi to a friend, DM them. Hey, what's going on? So no, that's why that's why I told Kenny. It's like anytime someone reacts to my story or like on social media, it gives me like a trigger. Like, hey, hey, how you doing? No, I haven't heard from you in a while. Yeah. How are things? How family? What you been doing? You been healthy? Whatever. You know, a small conversation just to keep things together. You know, reaching out. That's important. All right, what you got, Kenny? All right. Um. So it's it's a reflection. Um. So, you know, I've been going to the gym um, and working out and all that um, during this whole pandemic. Um, and, you know, every time I go to the gym, I get inspired by just the different types of people that are there, um, just the different demographics. Like, you know, every time I go to the gym, I see um, there's this one individual in a wheelchair. He's working out. And... I look to my right, there's this old guy in his like late 80s walking the treadmill and lifting weights. And um, yeah, it's just, you know, walking into that room made me kind of reflect on just my motivation to, you know, continue my, yeah, my personal motivation based off of their motivation to become better than they are. Um, and yeah, no matter what challenges, physically, mentally, um, you know, it definitely 
yeah, wow. makes me want to continue wow. my path of you know, working out, of course, but um, you know, just yeah, getting inspired through other people's motivation to become better. Mm -hmm. So, like, even when I talk to you, Scott, and learning your story, Kelly, um, you know, never giving up. It's something we hear constantly, and it's like, um, you know, it's simple to give up, but you know, you just keep on trying until you see the results that you want to get. So, um, that's just yeah, my reflection, and I mean, on top of the whole gym story, all of these new businesses popping up. It's like even during these challenges, um, they're still trying their best to you know stay alive. Um, and yeah, try to kind of push forward with everything. So continue to be you like an 80 year old guy or like some guy in a wheelchair getting after it. What's your excuse? Yeah, there's no excuses. That's why I, I love going on walks because you know, someday I might not be able to enjoy the the beauty of you know just walking yeah. around and just doing whatever I want. So oh, nice. Maybe we need to make a shirt, uh, staying shredded or <laughs> staying gang after it. <laughs> staying <idea>. strong. <laughs> Ooh, I would love uh, a staying connected like gym. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Staying fat. <laughs> Stay. <laughs> staying true. Staying true. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Side pocket. Uh, mine. Um, I was gonna talk about having a system for communication and as Kelly knows I love systems but mm. you know, we did go to um, we did go venture out into the other side of the island the west side the not visited section of this island one way in and, one way out yeah as we're doing all this right uh, we went on this one hike and it was it was that it was on our right hike, but you no, know, what not? And the more we talk about it, the more I get to see it uh, more clearly, more clear. You know, it's like no matter what this crappy situation or you know, meh hike you're on, it's the company that's with you that makes everything. You know, it doesn't matter if you're spending no money, and or as we did today, spending a lot of money. Um, it's doesn't matter because it's the people that matters the most. Um, spending time with the people that care and love about you and that love you is everything. And you now 2020 has uh, taught me that valuable lesson. And 2021 has, even though as early as it is now, has reinforced that lesson for me. And you know, I you know me, Kenny. I'm extremely frugal, and you know me. I'm extremely careful with how I spend my money. Like. An example is when we go to the bookstore, you know, or like when I go on Amazon and I find all the books that I like, I go to this bookstore. Can't tell you the name, I'll tell you in private. <laughs> I don't want to pay many people. All right, let me know. I go to the, secret, secret spot. <laughs> I go to the $1 section and see if I can get those same books. Like there's another section that has those same books, but they're like six, seven, eight dollars or even 10, right? I, I gotta have the $1 price or I won't get it at all. You know? So it's just, it's just little things like that, but, but, but the caveat is that like 
if it's people that I love and care about, I will splurge and I will spend money. That's the only time. Because when's the next time you're gonna go to the other side of the island? When's, when's the next time you're gonna um, you know, make those memories with that person? So who cares? M money isn't forever. You know, it's just a, a tool or a vehicle to help enhance your life, that's it. So that's my valuable lesson. Next time I'll talk about the systems. <laughs> yeah, this was fun. Thank you very much. Yes. I hope you Thanks, Kelly, for jumping on this call. It's such a pleasure hearing your story and, um, you know, getting to learn more about you and your the journey. Next time we see her back on the podcast, hopefully, for part two, she'll be a doctor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, super excited. Do you know if you <laughs> <laughs> Take my blood pressure. And, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, other than that, thank you for coming on. Thank you, Kenny, yep. for um, being you as always. And thank you for being you, being true. Um, connectors, you know where to find us on social media. Yep, we are everywhere. Um, we are also on Spotify. Um, if you're watching this video right now, um, subscribe, like us, comment. Um, anything, any question you have, or just what you feel, how was your day? Um, we definitely want to hear more from you. Um, for now, it's uh, continue to stay healthy, stay safe, and take care. Um, we'll see you again on another fresh episode next week. Thank you, guys. Thank you.